This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, good morning. Are we at a golf tournament? We at church today. Good morning. All right, that's a little better. We need to wake up just a little bit. But hey, uh, people are asking me today, am I going to apologize to you Bengals fans? And my answer is no, I'm not. Congratulations, though, on your first win in 31 years. Like, I will clap for that, right? Next week, though, I'm going to be honest, we're going to probably be a house divided. I've been a lifelong Tennessee Titans fan, and uh, unfortunately, I do like the Bengals. But King Henry is going to have to run all over y'all, so we'll see you back next week. Where are you? Bengals gear. I'll wear my Titans gear. We'll see who wins at the end of the day. So, but it is good to be with you. My name is Nathan. Um, we are in this series that we called Go and, and Be. So this is week two. Last week was a little bit introductory, and so what we're going to look at today is, is kind of the, the B aspect um, and, and talk about it. But let me give you a quick recap if you haven't been with us. The first thing we want to look at is go. What do we mean by go? We mean go reach the world with the gospel. That 2022, we don't want to be a church that just sits here, gathers information, goes home, watches some football, and does nothing with what we hear, nothing with what we learned. But we want to be a church that goes, the, the word go is used in the New Testament and throughout the NIV Bible about 1,542 times. So go is a command that we talk about be, and we want to be the church. We want to make sure that we're living the life Christ has called us to. So we want to make sure we're growing as disciples in here. We want to make sure we're growing in our faith here. Then we want to make sure we're, we're living out our faith and we're, we're sharing the gospel and we're loving people and we're forgiving people and, and we're living that life that Jesus called us to. So this series is looking at going and being. And each week we'll look at a different area or a different topic of how we can go or how we can be. And we, sometimes we'll alternate. Some weeks we'll look at multiple weeks of how to be. But today we're going to look at this idea of be, and the series is kind of wrapped around Jesus' final words in the Gospel of Matthew, and he says this, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These are Jesus' final words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, and he tells his disciples, hey, listen, you need to go and make more disciples. You need to go reach people. You need to baptize them. You need to teach them. You, you need to let them know who I am. And, and we kind of wanted to say this, like we wanted to make Jesus' final words, which are right here, our first work. We want to make Jesus' final words our first work. So when Jesus says go, we want to go. When he says be, we want to be. We want to take what Jesus said to his disciples on the, his last recorded words in the Gospel of Matthew, and we want to make them our first work. That if we don't do anything else this year, if we make Jesus' final words our first work, we're successful. And so he tells us to his disciples, hey, listen, I'm leaving. I'm going to be gone. You need to go and be. You need to do these things. But we have to understand, before they could actually ever go and be, they first had to be. And I want to say it this way. Before you can go and be, you have to be. You have to be a disciple. You have to be a follower of Jesus. Before you can go and be, you have to be. So today we're going to look at this idea. So some of you are you're like, well, I'm already, I already am following Jesus. I already am a disciple. So if that's you here, all you have to do is say, as we're talking, am I doing these things? Is this how I'm living? Is this how I operate? 
If you haven't followed Jesus, maybe this is the opportunity for you to hear about this and open your ears to maybe eyes to a new conversation that you haven't had before or look at it in a new way. So today we're going to look at how can we first be. Because before you can go and be, you have to be. Because you can't go and be something that you, cur- you currently aren't, right? So you have to be before you can go and be. And so to kind of get started, I want to take you to a book that I read this year. And it's not a Christian book, but it's by a, one of my favorite actors, Matthew McConaughey. Has anybody read this book called Green Lights? Has anybody heard of this book called Green Lights? All right, awesome. Three of you, right? So congratulations. But Matthew McConaughey, he's an actor. He's that, like, he's that guy that goes, all right, all right, all right. You know, I don't know what movie that's from, but that's him. And he's in a lot of good movies. And he, he, he has a ch- crazy childhood. He writes his biography, and he, and he talks about a lot of stuff, and it's wild, right? You can't make it up. It sounds made up. But he talks about green light moments. And he talked about in his life, he had these green light moments, these moments where that were so clearly defined, so clearly, like, in front of him that he's like, I had no opportunity or no, nothing to do but step into these moments. And he's like, I had a green light moment when I became an actor, and he tells the story how he became an actor, he had green light moments uh, in his life, and he just talks about these moments that he stepped into because things were going in such a way, circumstances were in such a way, that a situation opened up. He's like, it was a green light moment. I couldn't help but walk through it. Today, what I want to look at is essentially a green light moment. Jesus gives all of us this green light moment. And throughout Scripture and the, the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus walks up to people, and he basically says, green light, are you ready to go? So we're going to look at one of those moments today, but before we even get there, I want to talk about this. A lot of people come into church with a, a pretense or a mindset or an understanding uh, of what, who Jesus is. Some people take the, have been hurt by churches. Some people have been hurt by Christians, so they have a false understanding of who Jesus is. So sometimes we have these man-made understandings. Sometimes we have what we've learned through tradition, but if you could do something, if we could just for a moment, erase all of that. Like, to say, boop, we forgot all of it. We forget all the information. If you were to go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, maybe it's been a long time since you've done that, but if you were, able, if you were to do that and, and you erased everything else you've ever known, but you read Ma- Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the Gospels, and you started reading how Jesus lived, you started reading his, about his ministry, you would see something. You're going to see that the Gospel is extraordinarily relational. It's extraordinarily relational, extraordinarily relational. It's about Jesus wanting to be in relationship with, with people. In a couple instances, he says, listen, I've come. I've come so you can know the Father. I've come so you can have a way to the Father. I've come so you can have a relationship and know me. In one instance, he's like, I am the, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay connected to me, you will know me and everything will be okay. He talks about how he's like a good shepherd. That he, he, loses 90, he loses one sheep and he leaves the 99 to go and get one. It's extraordinarily relational. And as Jesus is walking in his ministry, and we forget this, right? We want to make a list of rules and we want to do traditions. We want to do all this stuff, but we forget. As Jesus is living his life, he's extra, extraordinarily relational. But often he walks to people. And, and the, the relational thing he says is this. One little word. Follow. Follow. The green light moment. Everybody say follow with me. Follow. Follow. There we go. Follow. He's like, follow. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he extended this invitation to follow every type of person imaginable. Rich people, poor people, about you broke my ankle there, right? 
Rich people, poor people, young people, old people, people who like church, people who don't like church, people who have doubts, people who don't have doubts, people who have success, people who don't, people stuck in addiction, people who aren't, people who are sinners, people who were outcasts, people who were uh, you know, really high up. Every type of person you can imagine, he just walked up to him and said, follow, follow me, follow me. That's what he says. He's like, hey, listen, you follow me. You follow me. He's like, I got this table and everybody's invited. It was extremely relational. Follow me. So what I want to look at today is there's many accounts or a couple accounts where Jesus walks up to someone literally and they're living life and he says, follow me. I want to look at one of those instances today. And if you got your Bible, it's in the book of Matthew, starts in chapter 9. If you got your RSEC app, it's in the app. The notes are in the app. And I want to look at an account. So here's what it says. As G, uh, verse 9, Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew uh, sitting at a tax collector's booth. So we know two things right, what, right away. His name is Matthew. Some translations say Levi, but his name is Matthew, and he's a tax collector. Matthew, the tax collector. Now, that may not mean a lot to you, but it meant a lot back then, and so you may not know this, or you may know this because you, you, you kind of, of Bible studies, you've heard this before. Tax collectors were hated. No one liked paying taxes. No one likes paying taxes today. But tax collectors were kind of, I don't know how to say this, scummy, right? Uh, cheats. They worked for the Roman Empire. They, they would only hang out with other tax collectors. They weren't welcome in the temple because they were traitors. They, they had no other friends except maybe sinners and tax collectors. And, and the Romans were in charge, and they would hire locals. And they would hire locals to collect taxes, property tax, income tax, sheep tax, goat tax. They taxed everything back then, kind of like what we do today. They taxed everything, and, and they would hire locals to go ahead and uh, go collect those taxes. And Matthew was one of those locals. Excuse me. And he was one of those locals, and, and so people hated him. And, and so he's at this booth. And you got to imagine a crowd of people around, and what we kind of assume is it's probably by some body of water. So he's sitting at a tax collector's booth, and there's a crowd of people paying taxes, bringing Matthew his taxes. There's probably people following Jesus at this point. There's religious people hanging around. There's some people that Jesus already called to be disciples hanging around. And Jesus starts making his way towards this tax collector's booth. And Jesus, they're probably thinking that Jesus can say anything. He probably could say to Matthew, hey, man, uh, I bet your mom's real proud of you. I bet you when she held you and you were eight pounds and two ounces and you were so cute that she says, one day I hope my son grows up to be a tax collector and everybody hates him. I bet your mom is real proud, Matthew. He could have said, Matthew, you are the scum of the earth. He could have said, Matthew, hey, you see, my, you see my boys over there? You see that big guy named Peter? At about five o'clock tonight after you're done doing this. Peter's going to take you out back and uh, he's going to show you what a real man is. He could have said anything he wanted to to Matthew. But he's, so he's walking up to Matthew and the crowd's watching and the disciples are watching. Well, let's just see what happens next. It says this, so he continues, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up, followed him. Follow me. Of all the things that Jesus could have said, all the things that people thought Jesus was going to say, the last thing they thought he was going to say was follow me. But he walks up to Matthew. He says, follow me. 
What the Bible doesn't tell you, what Scripture doesn't tell you, because you can't, you got to read through the lines, is assuming that everyone's jaw would have hit the ground. There would have been that, like, uh, I call it the church groan. Um, ugh, you know, when somebody does something they don't like or sings a song they don't like, you know, the church groan, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you are experts at it, but the church groan. So they do the groan, uh, people's jaws are on the ground. Imagine Peter like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait. What did he say? No way. Did he say follow me? No, he, he couldn't have said follow me. To Matthew, to this guy, he said follow me. Because Peter's thinking, well, Jesus, I'm with you. And if he's with you, then he's with me. And I'm not with him. He said, you really say follow me. He's like, Peter, shut up. Yes, I said follow me. Follow me. And the religious crowd, Peter, the other people, they're, they're probably thinking something. They're thinking, first, they're thinking Jesus lost his mind. But maybe they're thinking what some of us think that uh, I call uh, lifers. Been going to church for a long time, been following Jesus for a long time. Wait. Can it be that simple? Can it be that simple? Can Jesus literally just walk up to a tax collector and say, follow me, and he follows him? Is it that simple? Did someone literally just walk through those doors and live a life that was totally opposite of what we agree and that they uh, just come in? Can it, can it be that simple? So what we want to do is we want to say, well, some of us want to make loopholes. We want people to look a certain way, act a certain way, do a certain thing, vote a certain way, wear certain clothes, cheer for certain teams, be from a certain area. Can it be that simple? And some things in life are that simple. Uh, I think back in high school. So you guys know my motto in uh, college was C's get degrees. Now, if you can adopt that motto, but let me tell you, C's get degrees in college, but C's in high school do not get you to college. So I learned that the hard way. So my junior year, while all my buddies were applying to colleges and getting into colleges, I had to look at my GPA and had to look at everything and read the requirements to get into school. And very, very quickly, I found out there's not very many schools in America that are going to accept me. Maybe a community college that will accept anybody because I, ha- I had, you know, extracurriculars. I never got in trouble. But I had a pretty low GPA. And so I wanted to get in these colleges, and I was like, man, I, can't, I don't have the right ACT score. I don't have the right GPA. I'm not even wasting money sending it in. There would have been, like, very few schools in America that would have ever accepted me. And then I heard about Lincoln Christian University, Right? And my minister told me about it. I wasn't quite sure I wanted to go into ministry yet. And he basically told me this. I'm putting words in his mouth. He's like, basically, if you have a pulse, you can get in there. I'm like, I might have a chance, right? It, can it really be that simple, right? So I, uh, I applied. I, spent, I, I you know, wrote a little essay, um, kind of talked about my life a little bit, you know, kind of do a little sob story. Maybe hopefully that will convince him a little bit to let me in. Send him my score, send him my GPA. And by some miracle, guess what? I got in. I'm like, whoa, can it be that simple? It was that simple. Now, little did I know that uh, when I went to college, I was going to have to spend first semester basically on probation, taking all these classes and doing things I should have done in high school, and the classes were not simple, but it was simple. It was that simple to get in. It, 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 was, it, it was that simple to get into LCU because it's a private college. You need students. They, they, say, well, they say we'll take chances on students that no one else will, right? And sometimes it backfires and sometimes it doesn't. But could it be that simple? So can it be this simple? That this man, Matthew, was living his whole life being a tax collector, being hated, couldn't go to the temple, and Jesus walks up to him and says, 
follow me. And the Pharisees and the religious people and Peter and other people are like, it really can't be that simple, can it? He's like, yeah, it's that simple. I can walk up to you one day, I can interrupt your life, and I can say, follow me, and that invitation is open to all people. And when he says, follow me, what he's saying is he, he, he doesn't just say, hey, follow me, let's go for a walk. He's not just saying, follow me, and we'll, we'll you know, go for this little journey. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, follow me. Become part of my group. Begin to identify yourself with me, and I'll identify with you. Matthew, what I'm calling you to is I'm calling you to be one of my boys. I'm calling you to be in this group. Notice what he doesn't say. He says, follow me. He doesn't say, listen, Matthew, I like you. Yeah, I think you got some good potential. If you could just change this, then you could follow me. If you just do this, then follow me. Or, hey, Matthew, I like you. I think you, there's, some, there's an opportunity for you here. I think you can be part of my group. Here is a list of things I need you to do. And in three weeks, I will come back. And if you perform this list, I'm sorry, this thing keeps popping. If you perform this list, then you can be part of my group. He doesn't say that. He says, follow me. And it's the same thing he says to all of us. At some point in your life, he's like, I don't care how lustful you are. I don't care what you're doing. You don't have to go to church so many times. You don't have to go to church three months or you know, three times a month for six months. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to have a certain skill set. I don't care what your past looks like. He's like, all you have to do, Matthew, and all you have to do is follow me. So that's what he's saying. He's like, follow me. And, and the story continues. It says, Matthew got up and followed him. That's so important. He got up. And he followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So not only did he say, follow me, now he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. Peter's probably like, my gosh, Jesus, are you serious? Now we got to eat with them? I got to go to his house? Why? 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 He's like, Peter, just missing it, man. You're missing it. So he goes to Matthew's house, and they start eating, and I love the line, many tax collectors. So not just one tax collector. There are many tax collectors and, and sinners. So basically, this would be translated to the outcast of the outcast came and ate with him and his disciples. Well, there's a crowd of people who are watching this don't understand this, the religious people. In verse 11, it says this. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So apparently, that they followed Jesus and Matthew and the group of tax collectors and sinners to Matthew's house. They stand outside, Jesus eating, and as they're eating, one of the other disciples may be outside. Maybe it's Peter because he's upset. Maybe some of the disciples because they don't want to be seen with Jesus. They go, listen, we don't understand this. He's a rabbi and we're rabbis. We worship God and he worships God. We obey the laws and he obeys the laws. Yet he didn't invite us. He invited people who were nothing like him. And it seems as if he doesn't, need, and we're, it's like we're, li we're really similar to him, but it doesn't seem like he likes us. And we're not quite sure if we like him. 
Well, this is where the story gets a little weird. Jesus must have heard this commotion or something must have happened. And, and, and Jesus said, hey, listen, come here. You, you want to know why? Here, go and tell them this. And this is what he says. Listen to his answer. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. Sick. Isn't that a little weird to say at a dinner table? You got to guess, you know, you're sitting with other people, you sit in someone else's house. And it's like, listen, you want to know why? I've come for the sick, not the healthy. Now imagine being Matthew here. Matthew's at this dinner table, and he's here, and he's right next to Jesus at the, you know, the seat of honor, and he's sitting right next to Jesus, and Jesus says this. So Matthew's got to think, okay, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. So Jesus is saying, he's eating with the sick and not the healthy, but the healthy are out there. Now I'm in here. Am I sick? I imagine Jesus smiling at Peter's at Matthew's like, come on, man. You're a tax collector. You don't even live according to your own standards. You don't e- you're not even consistent with what you do. You know you're sick, man. That's why I'm here. But guess what? I knew you were sick. You know you're sick. I'm still inviting you to follow me. Let's let's keep eating. Let's keep, talk, let's keep talking. We can have the haters outside, and they'll talk and talk and talk, but let's talk. Because it's not the healthy Matthew that need a doctor. It's the sick. Let's talk. And here in this verse, we start to get to sit somewhere. Because up to this, a lot of us knew the information, but this is where it gets really interesting. We start to see some of the requirements to follow Jesus. For young people, for old people, for rich people, for poor people, it's the same. Those who are willing to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I need something. I need help. Are the prime candidates for followers of Jesus. Everyone, every one of us divide to follow Jesus. But why the Pharisees never really followed Jesus. Why the Pharisees never got it, even though they were so much like Jesus, is they were never willing to admit that something was wrong with them. Those of us who are willing to say, you know what? I'm sick. And what that means, you're not physically sick, but I'm sick with sin. I'm sick with how I'm doing. The way I'm living isn't right. That is how we start following Jesus. Everyone is divided to follow Jesus, but it starts with realizing you are sick and need saved. But the invitation is open to everybody. It's an open in an invitation. Everybody's invited. But you just got to understand, you're sick and you need saved. The Pharisees were never willing to do that. But here's what, who, who were. The people, the religious system, has always looked over. The people that the religious system didn't invite. Jesus walks up to Matthew and says, listen, Matthew, I know you're a tax collector. I know you're hated. I know people hate you. I know some of my own disciples hate you. But you're invited to follow me. You see, the Pharisees say, change, and you can join us. Jesus says, follow me, 
and you'll change. The order is important. Order is important because here's what I believe happens. So many churches get this wrong. We start with this because we accept this, but then we turn into this. What we think is like, well, hey, when you change, you can join me. When you look like me, when you vote like me, when you act like me, you can join me. And then you can worship our songs. And then you can sit in our chairs. Then you can be part of our church. When you change, and we have all these lists of rules, what we think you should do, when you change, you can join us. Jesus says, listen, don't listen to any of that garbage. It's garbage. It's hot garbage. Here's what you can do. Follow me. Follow me. Order matters. Follow me and you will change. When Jesus walks up to the adulterous woman, he says, no more do I condemn you. Now go sin no more. He doesn't say, no, no more sinning and I won't condemn you. He says, no longer do I condemn you. Sin and no more. He's like, you want to start following me? Follow me. And the Pharisees and church people are like, whoa, 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 Jesus. That's not how it works. He's like, shut it. I don't operate under your game plan. I don't operate under your man-made traditions. I don't operate under your understanding. I do my way. And my way is this. Follow me. And you truly follow me, you follow me long enough and far enough, you will change. Matthew, you want your life to change? You no longer want to be a tax collector? Follow me. You'll change. Peter, you're tired of being a fisherman? I'll make you a fisherman for men. Follow me. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Then you'll change. Order matters. Order matters. Follow and change. Follow and change. Now, if you follow and you don't change, you're not truly following. We'll get to that in a second. But we can't be a church that says, hey, you have to change. You can join us. It doesn't work like that, right? No gym says, hey, I know you want to lose weight. You're a little bit too big right now. Um, when you come back in about uh, three months and you've lost 30 pounds, you can join our gym, right? No one says that. They let them in right away. She says, listen, I know you're sick. You know you're sick. That's why you want to follow me. Follow me. And you'll change. And this journey isn't going to be easy. But he, he, tell, he calls Matthew to this journey to follow him. It's the same journey all of us have to take before we can go and be. We have to be. You have to say, I'm following you, Jesus. I'm following you. And you're changing me. But the journey's not going to be easy. The journey's going to be a lot like the, the, uh, the day I moved here. We moved here, so February 2nd will be eight years that we've been putting up with each other, which is a long time, so congratulations, we made it, right? Eight years. But when I moved here, I moved here in the middle of a blizzard. So I'm from northern Illinois, and, you know, down here, we do not get, you, we do not get the snow that I'm used to, right? So you're a couple inches of snow, man. We're, we're talking feet back where I'm from. And the day we were going to move... I, I procrastinated, so I got the truck right before snow, this moving truck from a company called Reed's. They are the, you think U-Hauls are junky? Reed's trucking is even junkier, right? Man, I don't know how that truck made it, the five-hour drive to here, but it made it. But, so me and my cousin Cody, who's a, you know, several years younger than me, we, we, we picked this truck up, and it's snowing everywhere, man. It's like we barely can stay on the road. So we get to my house. My parents are working. So it's me and, and my cousin Cody are loading this truck up. And it's, I'm ki not kidding, it's in the middle of a blizzard. So it is snowing, it's wet, and you know how you got like that skinny ramp to get everything up there with, right? So we're trying to carry everything we can uh, up this ramp, and, and we're, we're wet, we're slipping. We get it into the truck, it looks like a bomb went off, but nonetheless, everything I owned was in that truck, and I was ready to go. The so we slept, and the next day we went down to Whitney's parents' house. It was about an hour and a half, but the blizzard had not let up. 
So my cousin's following me. I'm in the moving truck. He's in my 1997 Chevy Lumina with 258,000 miles on it, right? Probably Super Bowl tires because I had no money. And he's following me, and he keeps spinning out. I'm not kidding. He just keeps, like, every so often, it's like he's going in the ditch and going out. Like, apparently he couldn't drive. But it's like, so it's like we, two hours of him going in the ditch and coming out, going in the ditch and coming out. And, and so we get to Whitney's house, and her house is a driveway, her house and driveway. Her driveway is very steep, right? And so they've been shoveling it for two hours waiting for us to get there. We barely can get the moving truck up the driveway, but by, by the grace of God, we do. We open the truck, and everything that we, uh, Cody and I had put in the truck was like all over the place, man. Like it looked seriously like a bomb went off. So somehow Whitney had to squeeze all her stuff in it. Then we, we you know, close the door. We start driving the Rising Sun, Indiana. Like we think we're headed to a Chinese restaurant. We don't even know where we're going, right? On the way here, like I almost run out of gas. We, uh, my mom spins out, right? We finally get here. I mean, it was just a total mess. I mean, the first, it, it should have been a sign. Like it was crazy. Like, hey, we, God's like, hey, just turn back. But no, we just kept coming, right? And, and we got here, get to the parsonage, get everything moved in and it worked well. But like that trip has been a lot like my faith. Maybe like your faith too. There are seasons when you're spinning out over and over and over and over again. There are seasons up and down. There are seasons of smoothness, right? And it's like, it starts with follow me, but it doesn't always go smooth. At some point, and I wanted to mention this because this is the point where I think a lot of people quit because what I think a lot of people have been told is this, and they forget this. And when you, when you come in and you've been taught this, which, let's be honest, American Christianity teaches this a lot, you forget this. So then you reach a stage where I call it the I blew it stage. And at the I blew it stage is where a lot of people leave. Because like, man, I'm not good enough. Jesus gave me a second chance and I blew it. Jesus gave me an opportunity and I messed it up. Jesus gave me a chance to change my life and I just couldn't get it right. And we walk away because we think it's change and follow, but we forget it's follow and I'll change you, that there's a process, it's a, it's a sanctification, that you're going to continue to change, you continue to grow. And in, in, in the I blew it stage, it's important to remember imperfections or I blew it moments are prerequisites to God's grace. And how I know that is what Paul said. Paul was a sinner, man. Paul was a murderer. Here's what he says in Romans, where sin increased, Grace increased all the more. That on this journey, when we're following Jesus, don't let your, your, your mess ups, don't let your sins, don't let your mistakes get you off derailed. And I think some people here need to hear that because I think there's some people here who are on the edge of quitting following Jesus because they keep making mistakes and they don't want to and they feel like they're not good enough to follow Jesus. The truth is, none of us are good enough, but Jesus saves us all. And he invites us all to follow. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. It's not perfection, it's progress. It's about becoming who Jesus wants us to become. So Matthew is stepping into this. Matthew's been messing up his entire life. But he steps up and he says, listen, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. So what I want to look at is two steps that we got to do to follow and become disciples ourselves. The first one is this. It's real, real simple. It's simple, simple, simple. Get up and follow. That's what Matthew, it says Matthew got up and followed. So this invitation, like I said, is open to all of us, and it's an invitation into a relationship. 
Not an invitation to rules, not an invitation in the church attendance, not an invitation to the Ten Commandments. It's an invitation to a relationship with Jesus, right? And, and what happens is, is as we step in this relationship, as we accept this invitation to follow, we start changing. Our life starts changing because you can't be with Jesus and not change. So we're, for some of us where this is important, if, just, if you're following Jesus and you don't see progress in your life, if you don't see things changing, if you don't see you becoming more like Jesus, then you're probably not really following. You may be following a little bit. You may be doing certain things, but you're not really getting up and truly following. Because as you start to follow Jesus, things in your life start to change. And I love what the author of Romans says. It says, not realizing this, that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. And I love this verse because it says, listen, God's kindness, God's grace, God's mercy, Jesus' mercy saying, follow me, is intended to lead you into repentance, to lead you in a different direction. What Paul is saying is, listen, God's mercy, God's grace, God's love for you, God's kindness through Jesus was given to you. It, for a purpose, to intended to lead you into repentance. Repentance is this idea of change. It's this word in the Greek, metatone, to change your mind, to change direction of your life. So this call that Jesus is giving us to follow is intended to change the direction of your life. God's kindness is given to us to lead us to repentance, to change the direction of our lives. So what Ma Jesus is saying by Matthew, he's saying, I'm giving you this kindness, but I'm calling you to change your life. So as a follower, we get up and follow, but we allow God to change our life, God's kindness and God's mercy to change our lives. And what's awesome, so he says, follow me. And all of us are following something. 3.2 billion people or something follow people on, on Instagram. It's like uh, there's The Rock and there's the Paul Brothers and the Island Boys. There's athletes. And we, we, the world has kind of diluted what it means to follow. Because follow can mean I like your pictures. I think you're cute. I like The Rock when he has his big muscles. I like all this stuff. Like, follow, I'm a follower. But there's no commitment. And when Jesus says follow, we have to understand the context of what he's saying. He's like, don't just be a follower of me like on TikTok, or on Twitter, or on Instagram. He's like, no, no, listen, when I say follower, I mean this word, disciple. It's going to be here, disciple, disciple. A disciple was someone at the time who followed rabbis around. And they said, I want to be like that rabbi. I want to act like that rabbi. I want to give my life to that rabbi. I want them to teach me. I want to go where they go. I want to do what they do. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, you need to be a disciple. Jesus is calling us to be disciples, not just followers. A disciple is that I want to go where Jesus went. I want to do what Jesus did. I want to live how Jesus lived. So Jesus, when he says follow, he's saying, follow me. Be a disciple of mine. So Matthew, he's saying, Matthew, come be a disciple. Come do what I did. Imitate what I did. The word Christian is used like three times in the New Testament. Disciple is used over 250. Jesus doesn't want just people who say, I follow you. He's like, I want people who are my disciples, who get up and actually follow and have some commitment. I want disciples who are willing to make disciples. I want disciples who are going to put some skin in the game. I want disciples who are committed to following me. In Jesus' ministry, many people, it said, followed him. But relatively few became disciples. Many followed. Many followed. Many follow today, 
but relatively few became disciples. There was this instance where, where he fed 5,000 people and the crowd started to gather and they followed him and, and they wanted more food, they wanted more miracles. So Jesus says, listen, you're following me, but you understand who I am. And he starts talking, I'm the bread of life, that if you really want to no longer be hungry, follow me. I'm the one that God sent. I'm the savior of the world. You may like my miracles, you may like my teachings, but do, have you accepted me as savior? Are you really ready to be a disciple or are you just following? So he raises the standard. And you know what happened? This is what happens. John says in 6, 6, uh, John chapter 6, verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed because they weren't committed. They liked what he had to offer, but they weren't willing to get skin in the game. So a disciple is what we're trying to be, not just a follower. A disciple is someone who wholeheartedly follows the life and example of Jesus, who makes his mission their mission, his values their values, and his heart their heart. So on the surface, follow me sounds like go where I go. But it means this, do what I do. Live as I do. And experience what I experience. So that's, the, that's what we're walking into when it says, get up and follow. So for those of us following, do you do what Jesus does? Do you live as Jesus lived? And are you experiencing, and we can't experience it that way, but are you doing and living the way Jesus wanted us to live? So that's the first thing we have to ask. So the first step is get up and follow. And the second step is make Jesus Lord of your life can't be a disciple of Jesus without making Lord of your life. Later in his life, when Peter was an older disciple, he was an older, mature man, after he denied Jesus three times, after he cut a man's ear off, after Jesus was gone, he writes some letters. Here's what he says. You must, not that you can, not that you should, he goes, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Disciples make Jesus Lord of their life. He says it's not your sports, not your bank account, not your job, it's not your marital status, relationship status, it's not your sports teams you're on. Jesus has to be the Lord of your life. If you want to know you're following Jesus, he goes, look at what's on the throne of your life. Because disciples place Jesus on the throne of their life. A lot of people are cool with Jesus. I like his teachings. I like what he says about love, right? Love everybody. I, I especially like where he says, do not judge, you will be judged. Everybody loves that verse, right? Oh, I like how he treats women. I like how he treats people. I, I, I really like that. And they're like, hey, Jesus is my homeboy. Like, we're good. But that's not making him Lord of your life. See, what's awesome about Matthew, what's awesome about Peter is Jesus comes in their life and he says, follow me. You know, they don't hesitate. They get up and they follow. They've totally surrendered. And if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to go and be, you have to make Jesus Lord of your life and totally surrender. That's the requirements. Get up and follow. Make Jesus Lord of your life and totally surrender. Here's my life, Jesus. It takes me to rising sun in the middle of a blizzard in a truck I can't drive. I guess I'm going. Jesus, here's my life. I, I know I'm talented with this. What are you going to do for it? 
God, uh, I know here, here, here's my skill set, here's my life, here's, here, here it is, I totally surrender. You're Lord, what do you want me to do with it? That's the requirement of following. So the question we have to look at is are you ready to follow? Not are you currently, but are you ready? For some of you, the, the, what we need to look at today is like, hey, I haven't followed. I haven't made those steps. I haven't taken these steps. I haven't made them Lord of my life yet. I need to do that. And he says there's some ways to do that. He talks about baptism. And whether you agree or not, it's obedience. He says we need to be baptized. We need to follow his commands. And then we need to be committed to multiplying. Baptize, commands, committed to multiplying. And the rest of us, we've got to ask, I, I say I'm following, but is Jesus really on the throne of my life? Have I really surrendered my life to him? Am I really doing what he told me to do? Am I really living how he told me to live? Am I going and being? So are you ready to follow is what he's asking? Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for who you are, so thankful for everything that you give us, God, that you call us, yes, us, the, those of us who don't see welcomed, those of us who don't feel loved, those of us who don't feel like we have anything to offer, you call us to follow you and be part of your kingdom. God, I pray that we become a church that is dedicated to making you Lord of our life and following you to the ends of the earth. God, I love you so much. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.